Welcome to the Immigrant Stories Program. I'm your host, Walter Gallagher, and my interview today is with Mercedes Garcia. Mercedes is from El Salvador. El Salvador has struggled for nearly 200 years. The innocent people of this country have lived with danger and repression. They've endured wave after wave of coups, revolts, and cruelty at the hands of authoritarian leaders. All of that pain eventually led to a civil war in 1980 that raged for the next 12 years and killed 75,000 innocent people. The death and destruction in the country caused over another million people to run for their lives. Mercedes Garcia was one of those people who was forced to flee. I came to this country in 1990s because we had a, a civil war in our country. So how old were you when you came in 1990? I was 25. So you lived through the Civil War. You I were did. a young person during that time. I did. Can you talk about that or is it too painful? Um, no, I can talk about it. It's no hard anymore to talk about it. But we suffer a lot then because uh, we have soldiers and the guerrilla in the place where we used to live. So um, they were coming, passing by, and they got in a war. You know, we can hear the bombs, the shooting, and all of that in there. So um, now I think about it, and I feel we were so blessed to survive that war because we didn't have, like, you know, the houses were not even concrete by then. So, and we didn't have, like, uh, those nice big mattress that we can go underneath. We didn't have those type of things. But we would go under the bed. And now I think about it, how we decide to go under the bed. The bed was not a safe place, but it's still, you know, at least we are on the ground. So did that happen a lot? Were you? It happened a lot when I was there, yes. So that you were like 10 years old when this started? When, yeah, when this started, uh, maybe a little older, like 16 maybe. Oh. I, yeah, on my teenager oh, years. It was really hard because um, we always live scared. If we see the soldiers, we were afraid that the guerrilla going to come and we will be stuck in the middle. And every time we would travel, we didn't have a car by then, so we traveled on the bus. And it was hard because uh, soldiers will stop the bus and unload the bus, so put everybody outside, and they will ask for identifications, and they look at you and say, um, are you part of the guerrilla? So it is. Uh, it was so scary every time we would go out. So you probably didn't travel much. I mean, I, with no, that. No, 
I actually we didn't travel much, but when we do when we did, uh, those things will happen. Did your brothers and sisters? Do you have brothers and sisters? I have um, two brothers and four sisters. And how old were they? And I am the oldest. Oh. So they were little, but I remember when uh, my brother, my brother is the fourth child in the family. So I remember when he was uh, 14, 15, he will be um, taken, the soldiers will take him to put him in uh, to fight. But my mom was always going after him, so he never got to go. How did you, how was your mother able to get your brother back out of the army? I mean, they took him away to be in the army, right? Yes. So she was there at their office where they have all the kids, and she was there and crying, you know, uh, begging for uh, because uh, she was um, afraid that he will be gone. And then after that, when is when he gonna get out that place where they have the recruit all the boys? If they got out from there, it's not easy for them to go back with their families. Yeah, right. Once so, they're in the army, so she was trying to. She was trying to keep get, that from keep happening. That, yes. So did she have? Did she have to bribe anyone, or did they just finally say, "Okay, please leave"? Uh, take uh, no, the kid. she had to bribe somebody, you know, and it's uh, it was hard for her. So the end is scary, and she have other friends helping her. So when those uh, things happen. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Immigrant Stories Program. I'm your host, Walter Gallagher, and my guest today is Mercedes Garcia. She's describing how her mother saved her brother from forced conscription into the Salvadoran army. It was after that incident that Mercedes' parents decided that the only way to save their son was to help him escape to the United States. Before long, Mercedes' father and brother were making their way overland and eventually to Aspen, where they had a cousin. Meanwhile, in El Salvador, the war continued to rage and Mercedes and her family tried to stay neutral and live their lives. Mercedes started college and met her husband, and they married. But it was when her son was born with learning disabilities that Mercedes realized she couldn't let him grow up in a war-torn country. She and her husband decided that she should join her father in Aspen and begin saving money and preparing for her son's eventual escape. So one morning, Mercedes left her son with her mother and began the dangerous trek north. I came by myself and some friends. I I moved here with some friends that it was a really good decision to make, to come with them. Because that journey coming from El Salvador to here is dangerous. Even 25 years, 26 years ago, it took me a month to get here. So you had to to ride the trains and... I didn't ride the train, but I did rode the bus trucks, trailers, really dangerous. 
you were a woman with other women or other Only men? Only two other women. My, my cousin and another friend. It were seven guys who I came with. So on our way here, we always sleep together. So we, these other guys, since we are friends, all protect us all the way through here. So um, it was were really there, hard. Were there dangerous times along that? It was. Yeah. It was because one time we were sleeping in, as soon as we crossed Guatemala, and we, we were taken to a house. And on the middle of the night, it was uh, guys with, um, uh, how do you say? Machine guns. Ma machine guns, yes. Or no pistols, but machine guns. Um, with those uh, machine guns and pointing all of us, and we have to give our money to them. So they robbed you? They, we, they robbed us, yes. So that was a long time ago. So, so then so what? You, you have no money? And then and the next day, we have no money. So we suffer. We sometimes say, you know, we don't have money to eat, to buy anything. They will take us and the coyotes will feed us. But not like if I had money, I can get something extra. If, if the food, I didn't like it, I can go and get something different. Uh. So what was it like crossing into the United States? Was that difficult? It was difficult um, getting into Tijuana. We got into Tijuana. I remember that. And um, yes, I crossed on the trunk of a car. Uh. That's how I crossed the border. And when I got to the other side, I was so scared, so, so scared. Because the coyote that we had here was a different one, was not the same as, you know, they changed coyotes like. Right, so you're, ha way. you're handed off from one person to another. To another person. As you move along mm -hmm. this trail. Yes. Yeah. So then you're so. with this strange coyote who you don't really know. Yes. When you got stuck in the trunk. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was scary and coming to the other side, and then they move up from one house to another house, and we were going from point A to point B. Um, everybody was taken one by one. You go. You go. Now you go. And I was like, what's going on with me? And I was the last one. Oh, really? So you were this lone and, and oh, I alone, started, this woman by herself. Yes. I So started, you probably imagined I terrible things could happen yes. to you. So scared. And it, it was already on this side. So I, w I got brave for a little bit, and I said, <sighs> so what's going on with me? Uh, do I'm going to meet the other people? And he said, oh, you're staying for a little bit. They are upset or like uh, angry people. Really giving you a hard time. Yeah. So then I said, okay, if you don't take me, I will go. And I don't care if I found 
the immigration right there. And they didn't really want that. No. And he said, oh, just come. Wait a minute. And I stayed for a little more time. I said, it's enough. I need to go meet with them. And I said, I don't care what happened here. I'm going to scream. I'm going to call. I'm going to do whatever I have to. So then he started like, okay, okay, you're going now. So it was, oh, my God. That that is something that I never forget because I got other things. We walk during the night. Long distance walking through the desert. Working to the desert. But um, the more scary moment, well, besides the guys pointing us with the machine guns, that was the second that I remember. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Immigrant Stories program. I'm your host, Walter Gallagher. And my guest today is Mercedes Garcia. Mercedes joined her father and brother in Aspen and found a job as a housekeeper in a hotel, all the while longing for her son and her husband. She learned English, rose through the ranks to manager, and saved enough money to send for her son and husband. They arrived after a month of travel amidst the flurry and noise of helicopters erecting a new chairlift. My son, Otoniel, was uh, seven years old, just moved here from from my country with learning disabilities, hyperactive. So he started going to school in Aspen. And since he was so hyper, he couldn't um, stay the whole day. So he was all, always half day with a special ed and people around him helping him. But when he saw those helicopters there putting the tie hats, um lift chairs, uh. oh, my God. He will run away from teachers. He will go under tables. Oh, poor kid. So he was so... So it just took him dead. right back to the war. The war, yes. So, but yeah, we continue uh, living in Aspen for five years. Then we bought a mobile home in Algeville and moved down. And we moved there December 31st. And my husband got killed in a car accident on January 6th. Oh, so sorry. As soon as we moved there, so um, I don't know if you were were here or then or... So then I started dealing myself with my son. Mm. It's been hard, but I really appreciate this uh, country and the community you know, I have a lot of people around, and that my son is 31 now. He's all grown, and he works full-time job, and he's a good guy. Mercedes was able to recover from the loss of her husband with the help of her father and brother and 
mother, and the larger community. Eventually, she left the long and endless hours of housekeeping and landed a dream job with the Eagle County Public Health as a WIC educator, women, infant, and children. Mercedes works with mothers, providing them with the nutrition, information, and the community resources they need to raise healthy families. Today, some 15 years later, Mercedes still works as a WIC educator, but this time with Garfield County Public Health. When she gets a vacation, she and her son, Otonio, often return to El Salvador to visit family. The dangers of war are gone, but new threats have taken their place. But now there's a gang problem. Can you now, talk about that? Now it's a gang problem, yes. It's scary. I'm here. And when I decide to go to El Salvador, because if I look all the news, just dead boys, dead young people so on the a, news. a lot of dead A lot men. of dead men, yes. And even young ladies. So... It is uh, really hard when I start planning to go. I get nervous and anxiety. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, the flight get there on the night. So you flying in in flying in at, at seven p.m. and always our flight got delay and we get there nine p.m. and from where I live to the airport is three hours drive. So I never stay in a hotel. I wanted to, but my family every time said, no, we're going to pick you up. So as soon as I get into the car, you know, I start getting nervous, but as, as more time is passing by, I feel more comfortable, more laid back. And thank God I never seen anything. And I got there frequently. So your family, you feel like your family's safe in the community where you grew up? It's been. Now, I'm feeling like they're not safe. I'm feeling starting last week because we never seen anything in our area where we live. We haven't seen anybody kill. We know are some gangs, um, guys there. But we haven't seen anything until this week. Oh, so you know that there's gang members around, but there hasn't been any trouble. Hasn't been any trouble, What what happened this week? Uh, This week it was uh, one of my mom's neighbors killed outside his house. So it's like in our country, we don't know now who's who. We don't know our neighbors. We don't know anybody, you know? People do things and not let n- nobody noticing what they are doing. Is that because people stay to themselves that they don't they don't go out? You say they don't know their neighbors. No, the- what I mean is we know them, we know who they are, what they do is what we don't know. Uh, so, um, so you a, don't know if they're gang members or yes, not. Yes, yes. So that's we don't know, and everybody stay quiet. Nobody's talk about it. Nobody say anything. It's really scary. Now it is scary. So people stay silent. They don't know. They can't say. They can't complain about the oh, gangs no. to anyone. No, no, no. Nobody. That's a bad can. idea. It's a bad idea. 
So even the gangsters have a like um sign says you don't hear, you don't see, you don't say. Wow. There's there are signs. There yes, up? yes, there are signs up. Mm-hmm. So the word is written all over on the walls and uh, on the walls, yes. Not exactly in where we live, but other places like a capital city or big cities or other towns. Yeah, they have those they have those signs already. I see why Pero you're I see why you're worried about your family. That that yeah. they live in constant fear. They don't know. I mean mm-hmm. it sounds like totalitarian government only. It's a it's gang mm-hmm. government. Yes. The narco state. Yes. Yeah. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Immigrant Stories Program. I'm your host, Walter Gallagher, and my guest today is Mercedes Garcia. Mercedes is describing life in El Salvador today. There's a lot of young people leaving El Salvador because of these gangs, because yes. they're threatened, their yes. lives are threatened. Can you speak to that? What do you know of people? Do you understand why they would leave? Well, um, some people will get harassed, and mostly young people, they were called to be part of the gangs, and they will say, if they say no, they will risk their life. So it's now for the young people, that's what I hear, it's uh, like you become part of the gang, or you die. So that's so that's what I, I heard. Now it's going on. So is that why a lot of families are, and you know, even uh, no young people, but families with extortions and all of that. You know, it is uh, really hard because some for some families they will ask for lot of money and they don't have that money so they what they do is leave their places leave their houses they take their homes they t- they won't take their homes but these people are already in danger risking their life for not putting the money oh. what they what, were so, they were asked for so they refuse to pay and if they refuse if they refuse to pay, it's not because they're refusing to pay. If they have the money, they will give it out. Because if not, give the money or get killed. Oh. So um, I haven't seen that exactly around where we live. But on the news, that's what they're talking about other places. Right. But when you go home, does your family have stories of the problems in the country? Um, we try not to really, really talk about it because if we don't see anything, you know, when I go home, um, we will go to the beach, we will go to the pools, we will go places, and if we don't see anything, it's more like the fear uh, when I'm here is because on the news, it's loaded with bad stuff. Right. When you get there, it's... Not that bad. So uh, we try to stay away talking about it. Yeah, I would imagine that your your family doesn't want you to be worried. And yes. 
you don't want to worry I them. can I can see that I can yeah. see my mom not saying anything my dad not saying anything so has your dad moved back to El Salvador he did he moved uh, 15 years ago so he went back and he's there he's uh he come back with the visa a long time ago but he has not come back since then my mom she goes back and forth. Um, now she's uh, coming like every two or three months. She has some, uh, some health issues, so she come and go to the doctors here in, in Houston. She, co- she comes more to Houston, but she also does here, come here. So what is it in your life that's made you so strong? What do you think? <laughs> I have no choice. <laughs> that, that's the that's the way I feel like it. I have no choice. You know, life. It's um, have so many things to give you, and either you get stuck or move along. So, I feel like somehow I move along. <laughs> So, and uh, I have no other option. That's that's the way I feel like it. That was Mercedes Garcia. Today in El Salvador, whole families are fleeing because, like Mercedes, they don't feel they have an option. The risk of staying and possibly dying at the hands of gangs outweigh the risk of fleeing north. You've been listening to the Immigrant Stories program. For more on immigrant stories, go to kdnk.org.